This podcast is supported and sponsored by my good friends at Hunted. Now, did you know that research shows having a strong employer brand will reduce your time to hire by 50%, reduce your cost per hire by 50%, improve the retention of your staff by 28%, make candidates three times more likely to trust you, and double the number of qualified applicants. But developing a strong employer brand is not just about creating great content. What's even more important is getting that content seen as much and as often as possible. If you have a careers page, how do you actually drive traffic to it? If you have an Instagram account, how do you grow your following? If you're creating great content, like videos or podcasts or blogs, how do you actually get it seen by more of your target audience? Hunted is the place where recruitment brands can tell their story in a way no job post ever could. Learn what works, develop a sustainable employer brand strategy, and reach more recruiters than ever before with Hunted. And I've been working really hard on getting an exclusive deal for all of you guys, for recruitment rollercoaster listeners. Up until the end of June, the end of this month, you can get a huge 50% off their annual subscriptions. Use the code rollercoaster50 and claim your profile today. I've had a sneak peek at what the Hunter team are up to, what they're working on, and trust me, you do not want to miss out on getting on this platform. Save money and use the amazing offer that all of you guys have access to. Claim your profile today. So the big question is this, how do the best recruiters and recruitment business owners ride the highs and lows of recruitment whilst ensuring they remain at the top? How do they stay consistent? How do they manage their time? How do they cultivate the correct mindset? And what are the best recruiters and recruitment businesses doing differently? These are the questions that all recruiters want to know the answers to. This is the podcast where I have real and honest conversations with some of the most talented recruitment professionals globally to uncover all their secrets. My name is Hisham Azuz. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and today I'm uh, really excited to be joined by two founders in Kevin Tyler and Rich Bartlett, who are the founders of Consult Energy, which is an energy utilities and renewables recruitment agency that operate in the UK, US, and looking to expand in mainland Europe. Um, there's 17 people in their business currently, and they're based out of Birmingham. Rich, Kevin, thank you for joining me remotely today. Yeah, no problem. Nice to see you. Yeah, thanks, likewise. Thanks for having us. Um, always, always enjoy having sort of two founders together on the podcast and I think this adds an interesting dynamic and I know you guys are keen to share that you guys have known each other for a lifetime and um, where, where I always like to start in this podcast chats Rich let me come to you first how um, how did you guys get into recruitment how did uh, Rich enter the, the world of recruitment um, yeah I mean 
it is very cliched and I've heard it a number of times on your podcast that, you know, I just fell into it. Uh, that is slightly true. I've always gravitated towards sales roles okay. and I got to the age of 23, I think it was. And I'd, I'd always done sales of, of, of some kind. I, I remember my first sales job, believe it or not, I sold, I sold pies down Villa Park. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, love that. Uh, can I can I just say very successfully, my I add. Yeah, thank, thank you, thank you. Good, and good at that. So, so one Saturday I'd be selling at Villa Park, and, and I, Kevin and I are big Villa fans. The next Saturday we'd be selling at St Andrews, which is where our, our arch enemies, Birmingham City, play. Yeah. And I remember one one time quite vividly, I was walking with my pies to my standing spot in in St Andrews, which is right at the edge of the, of the pitch. And the strap on my box broke and all my pies just dropped on oh, the floor. Fuming. And all, all of the, the fans, I don't know, there might have been about six or seven Birmingham City fans there because they don't get many fans week in week. <laughs> Started singing, who dropped all the pies? Who oh. dropped all the pies? But yeah, so that, that was an interesting experience. But yeah, I've always done, done sales. I went traveling um, and I was in Australia and there's a guy actually that uh, runs a recruitment business that, that Kevin and I know. And he's, he's supposed to be about recruitment, and I'd never heard of, of this this crazy world of, of recruitment that you essentially sell people into businesses. Um, and then when I got home from from travelling, I think I just turned. Kevin's got a better memory than me, so I'd either just turned twenty four, just turned twenty twenty three, and um, put my CV online, and you know I, I ticked a load of the boxes. Yeah, of course. I, you know, graduate caliber, sales experience, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Been travelling, so I had some life experience, coached in America all those things. And um, yeah, never knew Rectorex existed and, until that day when a load of them contacted me. And yeah, got sent to a number of interviews, found a company that I, I really wanted to work for and never looked back really. Okay, cool. And then Kev, what about you? What, how, uh, how, does, how does the Kevin story differ? Um, well, I mean, I, I actually had a little brief um, flirting with recruitment actually before we went traveling. So um, when I decided on a bit of a whim that we were going to go traveling, um, I thought better get a job and make a bit of cash. So I, I called around a few companies in the, in the yellow pages. Uh, some of the younger listeners would be like, what's that? Um, <laughs> and the first one I spoke to was a recruitment company. I was called about some six pound an hour call center job for like two or three months. And the lady went, what about doing recruitment? And I went, how much does it pay? And I was 13 grand a year. Whoa. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about Buzzing. this. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a chat and I ended up doing, like, I did industrial recruitment for like two guys shifting tires around a factory. So I don't really count wow. as a first recruitment job. So yeah, my situation a bit different. I, I, I went to uni briefly, but I, I, um, I, I became a holiday rep when I was 19. I worked, I worked for Club 1830. Um, where did you, where? Uh, I did two seasons in Cavos. I did one in Malia. Whoop, whoop. And I did a, um, and then I traveled for a year with Rich and, coach football mate, that was, you're a veteran mate i did, oh. I, did I did um i did two seasons in magaluf not not for like a company or anything just selling tickets yeah. on the street for a bar crawl which oh, was this, my first sales job this is this was hardcore and then i came back from traveling i was a bit skint in the in the summer i thought hmm what can i do to make some money so i did a four season in uh in lagan and zanti wow and uh you meet anybody that's ever done repping and if i've done youth repping particularly 1830 back in the day they'll say it is the hardest job probably bar military you'll ever do yeah you know I, I, i've kind of changed as i've got a bit older and you know i you know i understand obviously the world's a bit different so expectations are a bit different but god i remember doing 52 hours straight through once working like straight through yeah and you just you're just selling right getting people to yeah then selling packages and stuff 
I, at first when I thought I'd do, I thought, great, I get to, you know, to, you know, have a few free drinks and, and party for a few years. And what I realised very early on, it's a hardcore sales job. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and actually, I don't know if you ever remember the TV show Club Reps that was out about 20 years ago. Nah. The, 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 the only one that I remember is that, um, oh, fuck, what's it called? It had that imaging. I can't remember what it's called, but yeah. Oh, one of the Uncovered <laughs> shows, maybe. Or something. Yeah, something like yeah. that, yeah. Well, anyway, they did a TV show about it, ITV2, about 20 years ago. And the lady that was the boss on that, um, Falaraki, who was my boss the year before, and I thought she was great, actually. Anyway, she was she was very much, you know, if you were good at sales, you did well. If you weren't good at sales, basically, yeah. you know, you'd, you'd have a meeting at, you know, at the end of the week and you'd be gone. So I did really quite hardcore sales, selling excursions, selling trips, and then came back, did my last bit of traveling. Uh, sorry, did my last bit of repping. Me and Rich went out on a... We're back in the UK. We're 23, Rich, just so you know. We were 23. Yeah, cool. Went out to um, the bright lights of Birmingham, probably to the Dome. Um, and I woke, I put my CV online and not knowing what I know now, top salesperson in Greece and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I woke up in the morning on Richard's floor, not even not even on his sofa, on his floor. <laughs> I, I didn't like him that much. He yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. On sofa. <laughs> I think his dad had brought me a sausage sandwich, so you know it was a bit of a, a bit of respite. Anyway, and I'd had eight, <laughs> 82 missed calls from my phone, and I just called the first rep to rec and. Yeah, and I know okay. I, I uh, went a few interviews. All right, so so let's just frame up for everyone then. So then the both of you ended up in different recruitment companies and pretty much did like four to uh, a four to five year stint in one company, from from what I saw on LinkedIn, um, in in different um, businesses, and then and then just for everyone listening context. And after that, you then obviously started Consult Energy, which has been going for like ten ten years now. YouTube yeah, run that business yeah. yeah well it started off as consult solutions so it was um, more of a generic it recruitment agency and um we we started working with a number of clients in the energy space or the utility space and realized quite quickly that there was we were never going to be the, the you know the greatest it recruiter um on our on our road that we were based on let alone in, in the uk although there was a real opportunity to create something special in the utility space um, and it was, you know, it's, it's, it's a market that people can't be without. So, okay. It's, uh, it's so, cool. So ju- just quickly then, let's just touch on you guys being employed and, and working for someone else just quickly. Um, so were you got, what, what gave you guys the confidence to start your own recruitment business during your sort of four or five year period? I think we had we had quite different experiences in, in some ways that Rich worked for a company, which was team commission model. Yeah, I was, uh, was going to ask you that, Rich. That's mental, mate. If that's that, if that's what you had, uh, a bit more yeah. collaborative, I guess, than you know, than probably probably the S three model was initially. <laughs> okay. Who I worked for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So what what gave you the like? Why did you, what gave you the confidence to start your own business? Um, well, I don't think it was ever on my radar. If I'm totally honest, okay. Um, I'm probably a little. Well, I'm definitely more risk averse than, than Kevin is, and. I went into to Venn Group, um, who are a great company to work for, and I opened the Birmingham office with you know five or six other consultants, and we just went at it and just created a brand in Birmingham. And I love the fact that nobody knew we were there, or none of the yeah. big companies knew we were coming after their their business. Um, and my time with Venn Group was always spent just opening new teams and just breaking into to new markets, and I, I just loved that. I loved creating something and winning something rather yeah. than. You work for a big company. There's a big name. Therefore, clients want to want to work with you, or clients do work with you. And yeah, you, you're right. You know, looking back, I would have made a load more money if I'd not worked in team <laughs> commission. I just, I absolutely w- would have. Yeah, jumped, but, you, but you don't. You didn't know. Oh, well, I guess Kevin would have liked to fill you in what sort of commission he was getting. But it's some pe- people don't know that. Oh God, yeah, yeah, and and you know, there's what, other I, options. 
and then to be fair, I was I was paid pretty well. You know, I got yeah. good pay rises, and, and the commission wasn't that bad, and it, it was consistent. So yeah, there were so, certain months where Kev was like, "I oh, look what I got paid," and other months where he's like, "Oh, I didn't get paid as much as as yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He, you know." He's rough with the smooth, um, and I don't. I, I saw my career going on with Ben Group for a, a number of years and, until we were at Edgebast and one day watching the cricket and, and Kevin and he'll, he'll jump into his experience with, with progressive and what led him to this point, just kind of like bent my ear with a little bit of a, do you want to start a recruitment business? Yeah. And, and I, I couldn't find a reason to say no. And uh, I've always uh, been, can I just say, I think the exact phrase was after a few points was I'm going to start an agency. I think you should join me. And if you don't, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, who, who wants to be an idiot so, uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, it, it took a few more conversations you know just trying to understand what it looked like and um yeah. I, I remember going to my mum and dad and my, my dad's like hugely risk averse and I, th- I thought right they'll put a stop to this yeah. and you know they, they might save me from what could be a, a huge mistake I mean it obviously wasn't and uh, my mum and dad were like why would you not do it because yeah. rest- how old was you at that point 27 yeah, so it's just like, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, yeah. What, what, the, yeah. The, the, the worst that could happen was that I wouldn't get to work with the people in that office that I'd grown, you know, close yeah. to over a number of years. And that, that was it. I'd be a better recruiter for the experience. I'd yeah. be a better employee for the experience. Um, so, yeah, we went for it. Like yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in you'd rather regret doing something than regret not doing something. And yeah. uh, I, I'll be quite honest, it was never on my radar to, to do it myself. Um, you know, the, the experience I had at Progressive was, was incredible and i'll say that to anybody that that will that'll speak to me and i'm sure if you speak to anyone else that's ever worked at s3 um they, they've got a lot of things to say some negative but probably a lot positive the office i worked in the birmingham office in period of probably 2004 to 2006 was was unbelievable i mean like the well, people what that, made it unbelievable so it was just it was just the collective belief and mindset and attitude that everybody had so i walked yeah. in there as it was quite quite weird actually as well. Um, again, in terms of my experience of the whole Rector Rex contacting me, yeah. I went to four interviews. I interviewed with with Venn and a few other companies, and I was pretty set on working for a company. And it was only because my Rector Rex went, "Listen, I'm going to get in trouble if you don't go to this last interview. Please go to it." And that, that ended up being progressive. So it was like wow. he, he did the, the kind of the, the puppy dog clothes and desperately got me to go to it. But I just fell in love with it because there were so many people I had links with. There was a guy I'm still mates with now. He'd also coached football in the States. There was a yeah. guy who'd also been a holiday ref. And what I loved about it most was that it was very much a case of like, you believe you could be doing anything you wanted to do. And I yeah. just think the collective attitude that office had was that, and the, some of the numbers of, that we did places wise compared to peers and even our, in our own business or outside of it was just, was crazy. Uh, what mm. I would call probably not the world's greatest consultants were doing, you know, three deals a month fairly regularly. Mm. Um, and I think that a lot that goes down to my boss, you know, John was a, a really great guy and, you know, and, you know, fostered an environment of sort of, you know, push it, you know, what's yeah. that can happen. So I really had a great grounding in that. Mm. Weirdly, like a lot of people, it took me a bit of time to get up to speed in recruitment. I didn't, I didn't do a deal for five months. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wasn't allowed to even work a job. I had to basically pull 15 jobs and it all had to be at 20%. And, you know, I had this whiteboard on the wall, I had to knock one off every time. And it all had to be in the Midlands, it all had to be in infrastructure. And I remember when Rich and I lived together at this point, and I, I, he was on probably three, four K a year more than me, getting team commission. And I was on the balcony one night going, I'm not sure this is for me. What's going on? 15, 15 <laughs> grand a year. Um, but anyway, it, it, uh, it, I talked you around. You talked me around, yeah. Um, I think we were watching The Contender on TV. I want to show that one. <laughs> good show, yeah. good show. Yeah, good show. Um, but anyway, fast forward a few years, and you know, I'd, I'd moved very quickly to manager and, and done some really big months of deals and had a lot of success as a, both a consultant and a managing an office in Leeds. 
And I think as the company moved towards or just post when they when they floated, um, I just felt the whole sense of them looking after you just kind of dipped a bit. You know, a bit yeah. great people. And what, what made me notice it was when normally when people leave often, you'd be like, who's left? Oh, they weren't great. They had, you know, not yeah. attitude. Really good people started leaving. Leaving, yeah. And I thought, hang on a minute, like, you know, there's something going on here. And it was in the middle of the recession. And I just thought, you know what? Like, I know what I'm doing now. I've run offices. I've run teams. I've done you know, every aspect of the job. And I think I'd like to give it a shot myself. And then I realized I didn't really want to do it on my own. So. Okay, cool. So I guess, um, I'm sure you, you've had conversations with people thinking about starting their own recruitment business or spoken to other business owners or whatever. But uh, I mean, the conversations that I have, the, the obviously biggest fear is the first year, right? So I guess obviously a great thing is that you two knew each other really well. So you've got that instant trust there and confident you guys will have each other's back, right? But what, what was the game plan for that year one? Like, how did you plan to differentiate yourself and what, what was the game plan for year well, one of your own recruitment business? There, there wasn't a game plan. It was really? like, how, how do we survive? We, we, we both put five grand on the table and went, right, let's just see what we can do with this. And we didn't pay ourselves for probably about first 14, 15 months. Um, we bought two laptops and two mobile phones and just the rawness of it's us versus the world now. Like mm. We can only survive on the ability that we have to do recruitment. And it helped, as you say, that we were, you know, really, really close. Kevin moved down from Leeds and we lived in um, in a house together in, in a suburb of, of Birmingham. And everywhere you looked in this house, it was just whiteboards with stuff about jobs. And <laughs> we, we had a third housemate, um, and bless him, like he, he was really good. And he actually, he now works for us. He was so he, he didn't at the time and he only joined what about 15 months ago but for, he was there at the start of oh, wow. so cool. sort of solutions so he'll be there eating his dinner and we're like updating whiteboards and sending CVs so he got quite a crash course in, in recruitment uh, there, you know what there wasn't a game plan you know it was really? just we're good enough we can do this and there probably wasn't a game plan for a good number of years. It really? was not that we were playing at running a business, but you know, all the did you want it we... to be just more than you two, or was it? Was that the first? I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Was it? I think, was I think, it like... we, I think, I think we fell into that initially. I yeah. would say that the plan was necessary to be lifestyle, but because we we're both good at uh, you know building relationships, what we did was we had a few clients we built relationships with, and that was what we did. Really, we had three or four clients we did a lot of business with, and it was great. Yeah. But then once. You know, things change. There's a change of procurement in one business. There's a sector change in another business. And these yeah. clients drop off. We realized we had to probably strategize a bit, a bit more, more diverse. And that was the point we, we, looked, we looked at um, energy and utilities. But uh, go, go, briefly going back to those early days, obviously everyone's embracing work from home now. Yeah. And, you know, and there's all these videos going around about Zoom and, and what happens in interruptions. I remember we, we did this for probably six, six, probably maybe nine months till we got our first little office. Really? So our, our first ever deal that we did, I was at the sink in probably in an how long, did it ta- how long did it take you? Uh, I think it was about a month, actually. I needed really? to deal in the first week and the bloody candidate didn't turn up for his interview. Oh. Absolutely nailed on. Uh, oh God, it was dev- I remember we was in the car park <laughs> at Tesco's and I was like... Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> but about a, about a month in, the most random job, like a validation tester in, in Middlesbrough, I didn't, who knows? Anyway, yeah. can I find someone? So I did it. And I remember I was in an old football shirt, washing up with the washing machine next to me, plates clangling, you know, and then did a 7K fee. And I thought, hang on a minute. And we, had, we celebrated with a cigar at the local Weatherspoons, didn't we? Yeah, like, it was a whole, <laughs> a whole of a Weatherspoons as well, yeah. Did, so, did, so did you go in, just to help me out, so then did you, I know, 
obviously it seems like organically you saw the opportunity and utilities and things like that but like so the the market that you originally went into was that in the market that you was in rich at the Venn group or I, no i did it rich did finance oh, okay. we, did, we, did, we, did, we did it in finance when we started yeah yeah so you started with that okay cool so then i guess okay that's interesting then so basically just the mentality was let let's just um let's just make shit happen basically yeah and, and, yeah, and, 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 yeah and that's you know we were just responsible for the activity that we put in day in day out we had no grand plans around making it x or y or what would happen after two years or four years because the reality is you got to get past month one and then you yeah. got to get past month three and then you got to get to month 12 before you can start thinking about year two and, and year three and we've spoken to a lot of you know we're part of, of, of um networks of recruitment owners and yeah you talk to people and most plans go out the window because yeah you, you're not dealing in reality and the problem that we found and you know we eventually got some help in we, we we've worked with non-executive directors for the last few years and we great at what we great at and we don't know what we don't know and if someone can give you a map and go these are the things you're going to have to experience in year three in year five in year seven then if you ha- if you're going to set up a business get someone that can give you that map ability alone is not enough because we have yeah. the ability to be good at recruitment not the ability to run a business we got we had no idea about corporation tax about you know annual returns about xyz and i think there there were times where we we've never got to a point where we thought right let's knock this on the end. We've never even got to a point where we've we've you know had such a bad quarter where we thought is it is it worth it? We've always backed our own ability and also had relationships that have brought us success. But there have been times where you know it's it's just like wave after wave after wave of stuff you've just got to deal with, and that only gets harder when you recruit staff because mm. you you know I think what Kevin and I have been guilty of in, in the past and will never change is we get really close to our staff. So, you know, my, my partner or, or, you know, of an evening, she'll go, who are you on the phone to? I was so-and-so telling you about this. And she's like, how, why are you even that close to them? How do you know about that? And she's, she's an accountant. So she's never worked in, in, a, in a sales environment, let alone a recruitment environment. But I think a recruitment business, certainly the ones that I've, the two I've worked for, are very tribal. Yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. has each other's back and, and maybe that's something that i brought across from from ven group being a team commission or maybe that's something that kevin brought across from being in a brilliant progressive office and it's surprising sometimes when you meet people that have worked in recruitment so long and they've never had that kind of tribal feeling they've never you know wanted to run into the trenches and battle with their colleagues whereas i think in recruitment you get that so kevin and i can get quite close to our staff and be there 24 7 for them where actually we 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 probably should take a bit more of a step back sometimes and look at it strategically rather than like getting to the yeah. weeds okay. of, of things. All right. So I guess just to help me out then. So was it what the first, like what, two, three years, it was just that mentality of just get up and go make shit happen. And then, and then was it the utility, like when the things start changing them and you're like, well, right, let's so, go. Ahead. No, I was say, yeah. We, um, we hired someone well here and there in the first after probably about a year or so um, and okay. you know, the classic sort of situation we hired a couple of people and some were okay some weren't great but when you're in a small office in the back back in the birmingham and you know i think when you've got four people and if one of your team isn't particularly pumped to do recruitment then you've that's quite a percentage of your workforce that isn't great yeah. it's different when you when you've got 50 people if you've got one or two that aren't great so we we just kind of we kept going in terms of winning relationships and looking after those clients, but we inadvertently won a few energy relationships, okay. and those energy relationships came became quite big. And then we made the decision probably about five, five four or five years ago to go right, let's start playing at this now. And this and this is why also why everything we've been through puts us in a brilliant position now because we've got those 
those those sort of you know lines on the tree you know we, we've got yeah. that experience and we looked at what we were doing it's like actually right let's look at our clients there's a few finance there's a few retail we had quite a few in the utility space we said right let's put all our eggs in the utilities basket Mm. and then that, that then, then then it became a real strategic yeah, yeah, yeah. to do that so, so was that decision just formed from because you recognize that you're doing more business with them and they're yeah like okay yeah we, look, we looked at the market basically yeah and yeah, also yeah, yeah. credit works due i know you've spoken to one of our guys will van Plum, yeah. on the podcast in the past like he just wouldn't shut up about about the really? utilities market yeah and yeah. then and you know the eggs in the basket at that point was right will you you start a utilities team and look after that and, and and then it just snowballed and yeah so how how did that how did that because i think obviously like, you're part of all these network groups you always hear sort of um inch wide mile deep and it seems like obviously it took you a couple of years to recognize where you want to put all your eggs in your basket so how how did that how has that then impacted your business having a real focus it's been incredible isn't it really i think it's, i mean the, the the level of of experience i had at, at progressive progressive used to badge themselves as being you know we worked with most of the footsie and that was great but actually, it might be that one office in London did one placement with one one member of the FTSE 100. We can say quite safely that I'd say almost 200 people in the energy utility space we work with. Yeah. And and actually, when you when you're so niche in that area and people get to know who you are, then mm. organically that just grows. So I, I've never had the level of relationships I've I've got now. We've got as a business now that I had in five years, nearly five years of progressive. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because it, it's so neat. Rather than doing, you know, even though you've got consultants at the specific bits of their market. Essentially, you are a fairly generic company. You might split it off, mm. but in terms of what we do, you know, all the consultants, a lot of the consultants have got the same clients, mm. even if they're doing di- di- different bit, bits bits of the market, which is, is crazy. So people just know, know who you are, and I think it's really given us that that foothold into into doing a bit more business with with obviously the same clients because they already know who you are. Yeah, yeah, of course. So so when, when you recognize the when you looked at your clients and you saw the utilities piece then what 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 then was the game plan then so did it was it where you just really backed will and said okay look off you go and we'll support you we'll help you make it happen and then yeah it, it was pretty much overnight we took a load of generic it consultants and said you're doing utilities like this this, <laughs> this is now what, what... Say that then what... yes yeah, some of them left yeah fair. yeah so, so some of them like you know, put a brave face on and, and stuck around and, and then got new jobs and then left. And that was fine. You know, like, yeah. as a business owner, you need people that will follow you into battle. You need people that will trust your decisions. And I remember sitting down with Kevin and going, look, we've got this generic IT team that are doing X amount of business. And we've got a couple of guys in utilities that are doing 300% more business. And they're not, Messi and Ronaldo compared yeah, yeah. to like average Premier League players. There's, there's got to be something in this. And then we we adapted an assist scheme. So, you know, people get their individual commission, right? But you can benefit from what your colleagues are doing by recommending candidates and getting a split of the fee and, okay. you know, um, and, and passing jobs across. So Kevin mentioned that our consultants will work with the same clients. Well, if Lily's doing um, the data patch, which she does, and, and Joseph's doing operations, well, if Joseph pulls a job in the same client and passes across to Lily, well, Joseph gets rewarded for that. Yeah. So, you know, every phone call that leaves our business is is either a call to a client that could benefit a number of people in the business or a phone call to a candidate that could benefit a number of people in the business. Yeah. Um, and yet we, we lost some people and, you know, people didn't agree with the decision that we made. And you know what? That's fine. We'll make decisions in the future that people won't agree with. Of course mm. we will. Mm. And we, ha- we had to live with that. And we had to look at some of the losses and go, right, for the greater good, this is the right move. 
Mm. So, so what went? So, what went on in the first couple of years then, when you made that decision? And what? Uh, surprisingly, we, we quite quickly won a lot of clients. Um, really, we did some analysis the other day, and um, you know, Kevin touched on on a number of clients that we work with. I think we we've had a th- over a thousand vacancies given to us within the utility space over the last three years. Wow! And you look at some of them, and, and you can see where we've maximised the opportunities, and, and others where we've maybe done one deal with one client, and then they've just gone off the radar for what, radar for whatever reason. So it was it was just a case of trying to understand who did what. And like anything, right, if you go and speak to someone, Hisham, about doing a podcast and you tell them mm-hmm. that you've done podcasts with X consultant and Y consultant, Z consultant, then you're going to get their interest because that's yeah, your yeah, niche. Yeah, more credibility and yeah. experience, yeah. So when we pick up the phone saying we work with X energy company and Y energy company, then people will listen to us and, and, mm. and we have a bit more credibility. And unfortunately, well, fortunately at the time, there was a lot of growth in the sector. And now there's been a bit more volatility with, with businesses going out of business for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but we, we've got a really good brand. And the energy sector doesn't start and end with, with an energy supplier. So there's lots of companies that we now work with where – we, we could probably, I know we've, we've mentioned that we're in the US and we're going to break into Europe. We could probably just stay in the UK. But for us, it's about looking at the skill sets that we recruit for and utilizing the relationships that we've got with candidates to go out to other parts of, of you know, of the world and, and work with, with clients in, in those areas. Okay. So I guess just to sort of finalize the, um, the sort of beginning part of your business then, I guess knowing what you guys know now, what what how would you do things differently if you were to start consult energy tomorrow or what advice would you give yourself do you think for for people looking looking at taking that leap good good question go on kev you can shoot this one first um that is a really good question um i think the things we do differently initially when we did consult solutions would be probably to be a bit niche or a bit earlier that's yeah, one thing cool. i would say yeah um when we started consult energy i think the biggest the biggest issue i think we've had we've touched on this before in terms of getting close to our people that work for us you know i'm in a great position and i'm sure rich will share this that you know, particularly when everything happened recently with the whole uh, COVID thing, where I know some companies made some, some, you know, some pretty harsh decisions, and I'm sure some of that was justified, and so it probably wasn't. But there was no one in our business that we didn't want to be in our business. You know, I, I don't think mm. probably that that many people that can say that in terms of you know having 17 staff that every single one of them adds value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the past, I think we've probably been guilty of being probably a bit too kind to people, and actually we probably could have been a bit, um, I think, swifter with some of our decisions of people. You know, we, we, we've always had a sense, I think me, Rich and I have, of, we get a consultant that's got a bit of ability, we think, if it's not been quite perfect, we think, we'll fix them. Yeah. They'll come and work for us, we'll, we know, we'll, we'll give them the yeah. right kind of, you know, guidance, and it doesn't always work out, and actually, some people we've probably been a bit too kind to, and that, that probably doesn't send the best message to others in the business. I think in the last two years, we, we really recognise that, and we're a bit more robust with our recruitment process now. And um, I think that that's kind of yielded some real success of what we've had. So yeah. my, my advice would be, you can't be afraid to make those tough decisions. But when you're a smaller business it, and you say you move two people on and then there's only six of you, you've just got rid of a third yeah, of your workforce. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I, yeah. I mean, like, I was in a business of that size and like, it's when you have like, so like if I work for you guys early on and I have direct access to you guys, you own the business. It's so easy just to form like real, cause you really are, as you said, going to battle each day with each other. And it's, it's hard. F- yeah. I totally get that. And and that's difficult, isn't it? So I guess, okay. Interesting. Rich, anything to add to that from your perspective? What anything? Yeah. That- if, if, if I was to start today with, with a, no knowledge of, of what we've gone through, but someone just give me a little bit of advice. Um, I would want to be told, get someone alongside you, uh, a non-executive director that's been there and done it. 
Yeah. Right. Because you've got to know what you're good at and you've also got to know what you're not good at. So oh. that would be my, you know, reach out to someone. And there's lots of people out there that, you know, will will want to in, invest or will want to develop a business or whatever it might be, but just get someone that, that can give you that bit of roadmap. And secondly, like know what you're really good at and stick to it and don't try and do everything. So yeah. again, something that, that we've um, been guilty of in the past is having a list of 15 things that we're trying to fix all the time when actually it's not possible and all you end up doing is doing a little bit of each one and then in three months time, look back and go, God, why didn't, why didn't that improve? So yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to say with hindsight, right? Yeah, of course. You know, but you, and I'm sure there'll be people that have been on this podcast and people that will be on this podcast that have experienced different things and therefore have made different mistakes so we'll give you different bits of advice but yeah you know people start recruitment businesses because they think they're good at recruitment and that's totally fine but know that that doesn't necessarily mean that you're good at running a business and the skills that i've had to um train myself in and skills that kevin's had to train himself in as well because no one else is going to do it no one's coming mm. to save us yeah. so it's just a case of been in a situation where you get a good network around you, you 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 know you hire slowly and you fire fast. But also, when you do hire, you give people that you believe in the right landing, the right runway, and the right support to be able to be successful. Because not everyone, you know, I've, I've heard a number of times that you didn't have the best start to your recruitment no, career. But that doesn't make you a horrific recruiter or a bad person. So mm. it's, it's about picking the right personalities that work well in, in your business, but trusting the decision that you once made to recruit them. And if they're delivering the activity, like doing all you can to give them that opportunity as well. Yeah, cool. So always talk about on this, and I think it's, it's one of the biggest challenges, one of the main things that a lot of people message me about from a business owner perspective. What, so what you've been touching on it um, here and there, but what, what has been the journey in, in growing the actual business headcount-wise? I think that I love the fact what you said, Kevin, around, yeah, you went in terms of right now, you look at all the people in your business go, yeah, we want all of them. They all deliver value. And I think definitely, I think right now, I think businesses that um, did have maybe got caught up in the sort of vanity of headcount and all those types of things are definitely going to have those realizations right now, aren't they? Um, so I guess what what's been so what's been the sort of headcount journey then? So like when you made that decision um, to go into utilities and you had Will really championing that and going for it, where was you then? And then obviously how is it how has it been and how, what have been the challenges on that? I think we had about probably seven to eight people about that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. The interesting thing with the headcount thing is actually this probably ties into also what what you might do a bit differently. Although I think when you're a, you know a smaller business, you probably haven't got the got the ability to do this. But we've actually added quite a bit in terms of non-sales stuff. Mm, so yeah. actually, quite a few of our hires have been from a relationship manager to an operations manager to yeah. business support. And at what stage did you hire those? Sorry, because I think that's really interesting. Probably within the last last twelve probably 12 to 15 months I think okay. we, when we looked at wanting to move the business forward yeah I think, I think this is this is to kind of touch on the whole point about getting advice as a as a business leader and, and getting some guidance mm. around that think about the classic thing that a lot of people experience as billers in recruitment and it's a classic thing you get if you if you're a good biller there's someone gives you a team leader job and yeah. some people are just not cut out for it yeah. and yeah, yeah. and you know just because you're just, just okay let's say you become a recruitment I mean I fell into being a manager and I did well at it, but I tell you what, it was a baptism of fire, and mm. I, l- I learned a lot along the way. That does not necessarily mean even if you run an office for a massive recruitment company, you still got loads of support. You've got all the back office, you've got all the finance sorted out, you've got training off of biz dev. Running your own business does not mean you, you're going to be a fantastic business business leader just because yeah. you did at recruitment. And I think in terms of 
one thing that that's helped us is yeah getting the advice and garments from someone senior but also we were trying to wear 50 hats each every day yeah, yeah. you know you're trying to do accounts you're trying to do, you're trying to do welfare you're trying to do sort of all the holidays and actually looking at what tasks are really important for you to do in your role and then looking at the other tasks I think hang, hang on a minute if I hired someone for that it might cost me x but how much would I make by not focusing yeah, yeah, yeah. two and a half days a week doing that so we've we've added quite a bit to it in terms of we've added some salespeople to it We've got a couple of clients where we've had to get some account delivery, you know, candidate delivery people in for those. People focused on big accounts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. And also a lot of supportive roles. So things uh like I said, like a relationship manager, operations manager, compliance mm. people. Would you would you would you have looking back again, because I think this has come up quite a lot, would you would you have made those hires earlier? Like if you could have, do you think like especially like operations manager or like yeah, I, th- I, th- I think we probably would have done. It. I think one of the things that this um, this pandemic has, has has allowed us to do is analyze, for want of a better phrase, the ecosystem of our business. Right. Yeah. So when you're in, you know, rewind back to January where jobs are coming in, you're finding candidates, you're arranging interviews. Like before you know, it's Friday afternoon and you're going home and you, you've not even like stopped to 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 have lunch at any point during the week. You don't have time to analyze what your business does and also why your business does it. So yeah. we, we've been looking at the ecosystem about our business and, and trying to ensure that not one consultant is an island because that, mm. becomes, that becomes dangerous then. You know? you, we want to know that every single person has an integral part to play in the delivery of the service that we give. Now, that could be you know, um, from a marketing perspective. It could be from a BD perspective. It could be from a candidate generation yeah. perspective. But there's a unity that exists within our, our, our business, and we're, we're far from perfect, and that needs to improve. So we, we've tweaked people's jobs because sometimes – We've tried to put a square peg into a round hole, and sometimes it fits. And you know, you keep whacking away at something, yeah. and eventually you get there with it. But actually, with a bit of, with a bit of like time and consideration, you could tweak that person's job slightly, and they could be the best version of of that new role that exists in the marketplace. And they can still bring in all the the wins and, and the business that you would have liked them to do doing the previous job. So I think the ecosystem in our, our business has improved, and just how the, the 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 you know the the I suppose what I say the jigsaw is still exactly the same, right? We want to become um, the leading provider of stuff within the utilities and renewable space. Yeah, but the pieces of the jigsaw have slightly changed now. Okay. So the image still looks exactly the same. That the goal is still the same, but what people bring to the table is a bit different to what it was even a week ago now. So, we, so we what have been the key things you've changed then? Out of interest. We um, have got someone f- focusing purely on the marketing side of our business. Yeah. So we, we work with an SEO company who've been doing marketing for us and they, they've been great and they've really helped us develop uh, our, our presence online. But we always say, I say we always, for, for the last kind of six months we've said, we want to be the consultancy from next week, not last week. So there's a lot of dinosaurs out there in the recruitment industry. And there's things that we do that you could put, go, well, you're a dinosaur because you do that. Yeah, we've got, to, we've got to innovate. We've got to embrace every change that comes into the recruitment business and acknowledge how that benefits us, our candidates, and our clients. So we always want to be the consultancy of next week. So we have a videographer that works with us. Yeah. Now, that's great, but we probably need someone in five days a week, not not three days a month. So um, we've trained up a marketing person to do that. We've looked at 
the relationships we've got and how we service those and the the, the various options we give our clients, whether that's from a, um, a billing perspective, from a delivery perspective, but also what our consultants are doing day in, day out and looked at more account development um, mm. responsibilities as opposed to here's a client you never spoke to, go call them and, and tell them about Consult Energy because we've got enough, we've got enough clients currently, but it, it's about farming those relationships yeah. as well. Okay, that's interesting. So cool. I guess... Um, how on hiring learnings just just quickly before i move on to someone else like any anything that you've changed or implemented or done differently on the hiring aspect that that's really helped you get better at getting the right people through the door because i think that's obviously it's very ironic that that's one of the biggest challenges oh, no, but, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah anything that you've changed or done that people could benefit from maybe that's really impacted your recruitment process or getting the right people through the door do you mean as internally, internally hiring? Yeah, inter- internally, yeah. Yeah, internally, yeah. Yeah, I think I obviously touched on this earlier in terms of you maybe making quicker decisions, but I think some of those people I've probably talked about uh, generally, it was a classic scenario when we interviewed them, we thought, yeah, you know, they seem pretty good. And actually we probably didn't have, have the highest of high high standards. You know, we probably thought yeah. maybe they, they were they were decent and they could, they could do a good job. So we, we've really certainly set our bar a bit higher because I don't think anyone we've taken a punt on, loads of recruitment companies do this. They think, get someone in, they've got a bit of experience, they're willing, they, they've they yeah. the phone, they build a bit of money, they think, yeah, get them in. But actually, you know what, I don't think anyone we've taken a punt on has worked out. So <laughs> if I look at that across 10 years, yeah, you know, it's a lot of money. they might have done some bits of business, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, a, a broken watch is right, you know. But really, in terms of on our business, they, they've been people that we had a good feeling about from the start. Yeah. So, so don't be scared to raise your standards. Absolutely, and, it, and it's yeah, hard to that, do yeah. that when you're looking to hire. Yeah, it's that desperation. You really want to get people on board. If once you make the decision that you want to push your business forward, and we need four, three, four people, it's 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 a war of talent, though, isn't it? At the moment, yeah, yeah. Got to get good people in, and sometimes you can go, well, they're pretty good. They look like they'll probably be all right. My advice would definitely be, if you think it's a punt, don't do it. Unless unless it's a hell yeah, don't do it. Mm. So, so you both mentioned um, speak to someone the, the the roadmap and the non-exec director and stuff. I think it'd be interesting to get your thoughts and experiences on that. I've spoken to a number of recruitment business owners that have had great experiences, not so great experiences in finding a non-exec. I guess what what's how did you go about? And and I think it's a really popular thing that people do want and and want to have access to and find people. So I guess, I know, Rich, you said there's a lot of people out there, and there are, but what, what was the sort of journey or experience in you guys finding someone that could help consult energy move forward? We um, we got approached quite a number of years ago by the recruitment entrepreneur, okay, uh, James, James Karnstein. Yeah. And I think we got kind of carried away with the bright lights of it all and going down to the big smoke and, you know, two two boys from Birmingham being wanted by James Karnstein. And... and that experience was, was brilliant actually because it, it got us to ask some really difficult questions about our business that we at times we didn't have the answers to. So we had to understand how we assess the MOT of our business and, and, and what not just tomorrow or next month looks like, but what 12 months looks like. So the strategy around that. And it got to a, a point where they wanted us on board and they wanted to you know give us a load of cash as a, as a loan, it turned out, and they were going to have a percentage of our business. And we just we, we at that point again realized that we could probably get to where we wanted to get to twice as quick with the support of James Kahn and his in his recruitment entrepreneur business. And everyone we met through the process was, was really impressive and really talented. 
but it meant giving away half of our business, just over half of our business. So we thought, well, if it takes us twice as long and we have twice as much, then that, that, that's absolutely fine with us. But we met a couple of people along the way um, who about 12, 18 months later parted ways with recruitment entrepreneur and reached out to us um, and have ever since been, uh, well, two of them started as our non-exec directors. And for the last 15 months, we've just worked with, with one of them. And it's it's been really interesting because we didn't plan to get a non-executive director. Yeah. Um, it just, you know, it happened to, to fall into our, our, our lap a little bit. The one thing that I've really benefited from is the accountability yeah, I was going to say, what? so how does it actually work then? Is it you have a once a meeting every quarter and there's objectives and there's things that you guys agree that you're going to do? Or what, like, what's the... It's monthly, isn't it? We have, we have yeah, a monthly, monthly. Monthly, monthly board meeting, catch yeah. calls. Uh, you might have specific things in terms of certain consultants or training. You might want them to... Depends on what the level of expertise is. Rich mm. makes, makes the point exactly. As a, as a recruitment owner, sometimes, the only person you're accountable to is yourself. Is yourself, yeah. So actually, someone holding your feet to the fire is, is really good as a, as, a, as, a, you know, as, as a business owner because mm. otherwise, how would you even you know, know that you need to do something? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then um, was there anything, I guess, like is there anything that you was, I know it happened quite organically, but was there something that like really stood out with this person or people that like, do you know what I mean? Because I think some people are like, where to start or like, I want someone that's, sort of walk the path that I want to walk sort of it was it was their track record of working with early stage recruitment businesses well, that was yeah. exciting, exciting for us and then we've subsequently as, as we've moved forward now and we're speaking to other people as well it, for us it's looking at what they've done have they gone through a similar experience and can they can they show a track record of success with a business like yours yeah yeah I think, and no, I think if they true. can do that then I think that makes a lot of sense there's a lot of you know that worked. It worked in experienced roles in recruitment, but have they necessarily done it in advice people on it? Yeah, and uh, and I guess obviously, so also the benefit of that is that you don't have to. I'm sure you don't have to give away over half your business. Well, no, yeah, no, not at all. And it's you know, it's a, it's a, a bit of a you you grow to have a relationship with this person, and and they will know when you know that it's it's not the right move for, for your your business. So they you know you can't just it's not a one size fits all policy. And and the one thing that we really benefit from is we will happily live in the weeds on a day-to-day basis, but you need someone to go, right, let's let's get away from yeah, yeah, yeah. look at the strategy and, and, and where, where's this? Where, I guess even where, having that dedicated time is so valuable. To, do you know what I mean? Especially with a business where you're at and where you're growing and as you're growing, just having that dedicated time because when else, if you didn't have that, when would you book in that time to go, right, Kev, let's go down pub and think about this or do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah t- totally. And, you know, yeah. th- throughout the time of us having um, non-executive directors, we, we've, we've, we've grown our business by 100%. We've opened up a US operation. We've promoted people. We've improved our re- internal recruitment process. We've, we've created a really, like, efficient and strong back office function. And we've actually created um, various different other um, schemes for want of a better phrase within the energy sector that aren't to do with recruitment but give us a real presence in the marketplace now some of them have come directly from you know ned saying you should do this and others have come from them asking us questions and us having to come up with answers yeah 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 so when do you think to sort of wrap that up then i guess when 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 do you think people should consider reaching out to people to have that sort of relationship like I, think as a think, I think it depends what they want to do. I think if you're yeah. doing a, a lifestyle type business and you've got key clients and it's working okay, then maybe it's then great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so think the minute, what your objectives are. I think the minute, yeah, the minute you decide you want to take it, I say take it seriously. You want if you want to push it forward and scale your business, 
And then there's probably it's probably a good point to even have an exploratory conversation with someone. I think people will often even just tell you about what they could offer, and then it's a choice, isn't it? I don't think mm. people need, need to think it's necessarily going to be quite an expensive thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. And let, let's talk. Um, let's talk a bit about um, today then, and what's been going on. I guess what. So I know we've sort of touched on that, but what what have you got? What what what's been the most challenging part or challenging de- uh, decision you've had to make over the last eight weeks? Mm. Kevin touched on, on some, something earlier about you know when when you go into or when companies have gone into, into into this pandemic they've got rid of a lot of stuff and companies have used it as a as a reason to to get rid of people and companies that have, that have done it and then realised about furlough of perhaps some of them have backtracked and put people on furlough others haven't I think what we've learned through this is that we we've got staff members that we want to keep. Yeah. And you know, Kevin and I said to, to everyone, we'll do all we can to ensure that what we look like when we return, staff numbers-wise, is exactly the same as what we look like when we left, you know, when, when this started. Um, I've learned uh, that... Sorry, Rich, just in general, it actually might be more, yeah. than, more than when we started. We, well, right. no, in fact, it, it, yeah, it definitely will be more than when we started. We've, we've got a, a guy starting on the 1st of June doing the, the US business with, with Will and, and Ed. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I, I think it's... It's, so have you have you had to had any okay. have you had to have any grown up team conversations about hey guys look we're all in this together so this means to give us the best possible chance getting through this let's take well, a yeah, yeah. salary or something like that well we we did well, yeah and 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 a kind of our, our angle was everyone's going to suffer a little bit rather than someone suffering a lot yeah and we reduced the hours quite quickly to eighty percent so we did four days over five. Okay. Um, and, and then we had to make decisions on who to furlough. And you know what? They were difficult decisions because yeah. everybody wants to help. Everybody wants to be there and, and, you know, be trying to push the business back to survival. Um, or, th- you know, yeah, well, yeah, through, through, through yeah, that. Yeah, play that, their part. Is, everyone wants to play yeah, their part. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a difficult mental challenge for people furloughed. You know, don't oh, get me definitely. wrong. So, sometimes I'm envious. Sometimes I'd like to spend a couple of days in the garden, but I'm, I'm wired to want to be there doing what yeah. I can to, to help things move forward. And we quite quickly came up with a, a survive, and we stole this from a business we work with, but a survive, a revive, and thrive phase. Okay. I think a lot of people are thinking we're going to sit here, it's all shit. We're going to get a phone call Friday afternoon and life will be back to normal on Monday and then then it will thrive and that's, it's not just it's not going to happen. True. Yeah, yeah. So we, we've got a revive period in the middle that slowly eases us back to where we want to get to. And one of those one of those responsibilities during that revive phase is, is to bring another member of staff onto the US business because that market is moving a bit quicker in the UK market. And we also need to map out what thrive looks like during yeah. revive to, to even be in a position where we can look back in 12 months and go, we absolutely maximise that opportunity. You know, in every crisis, there's opportunity, and and I think we, you know, we can't change the channel, right? We're all in in this. Yeah. We're all we're not in the same boat, but we're all definitely in the same storm, and we'll we'll be fine. Just like when we started our recruiter business, and we thought, oh shit, we don't have finance, we don't have HR, we've only got two laptops and two phones. We backed ourselves. We still back ourselves to, to come out of this with a, a team of, of driven individuals that, that have are now probably bought more into us as a business because of how, how we've treated them oh, during this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How, um, 
what how have you gone about getting the, this person to join then out of interest like what what's what was the interview process like what what what's their first week gonna look like how have you got this per- like had they already met you guys had they already been bought in was it one of yeah their- yeah so so it, it was almost you know final stage of, of the process and it got put on hold a little bit because we, we didn't know what this looked like yeah, yeah, yeah. um in fact i I had one difficult conversation that I haven't mentioned. We had someone that was meant to start and we had to, we had to postpone or, or postpone their start date. And we don't even know when that's that yeah, going to start yeah, yeah, yeah. because you just don't know what remote onboarding looks like. You don't know what, you know, but fortunately this guy that's starting in the U S has got five years of candidate delivery experience. He is, he's used the time to get up to speed with the skills okay. that he's going to recruit for. So actually it, it's it's not a yeah, it's not exercise. someone that you'd have to try train up and no no there'd be an element of training but you know what i mean yeah so which helps with that how um yeah. kev how have you found i think that one of the biggest challenges that um billing leaders have had business owners have had is make how have you been motivating your team like how have you found that yeah this this is this is a really good question actually in terms of some of the trickier things um Let's be honest. You know, expectations-wise, people probably aren't going to do, aren't going to do the same level of business because there's not the same level of business out there. But I think if you if you ride people too hard and expect too much from them, that can obviously have a demotivating factor as well. So it's that real fine balance between getting everyone to be the best version of themselves that they can be, yeah, and to give it all they've got when actually they might be dealing with you know who knows what at home. You know, people mm-hmm. have got you know there's people that work for us that have got family members that, family members that aren't well at home. Some like Rich and I have got kids and, you know, God, you know, I know you see everything, you know, on, on LinkedIn and Facebook about how people are dealing with homeworking, but we all know if you've got children that you could have a morning which can just get written off because something mm. happens, you know, so <laughs> um, it, it's, it's that sense for me that I want everyone to be giving it all they've got, but on the same token, um, not, you know, not overstressing mm. themselves. But what, what, what key expectations have you changed out of interest? So some of the things that come out of it. So yesterday was, is really, really well put. Obviously you hear the advice all the time. Um, focus on the only things you can control, right? Control the controllables. Absolutely. And, and um, uh, her name was Rihanna and she's a bidding manager and what they how they changed their expectations and KPIs slightly was they made sure that they really focused on the things that, they may be up slightly, but are all things that they can control. Yeah. You know I, know what I mean, we, that was really interesting. We've always had a real mantra of affect what you can affect. You know, this is yeah. with me since the early stages of my, my recruitment career, you know, so three or four sort of buzz, buzz phrase I like to use. So with what we do, the key thing we changed was outside of all of our KPIs, we just said to everyone, right, what we're going to say to you now is a deal a month. That's it. Give us a deal a month at the moment. And, and yeah. through the initial crisis, we'll be happy with that. Of course, we've got guidance on KPIs, and what we've actually done is upped in terms of things like video calls and mm. and video messages, things like that. I think our expectations are that people are probably going to be easier to get hold of in some situations because everyone's at home, but also that people are probably going to get a bit of fatigue from doing video calls all day. So you, you know, you've you've got to look at actually locally what what some of the issues might be. But we're not in the same situation where we expect the same level of activity, but we just expect people to be to be giving all they've got, and we've said to them a deal a month. Yeah. And what, what's, what does, um, what's a typical week look like so far? You guys, um, you guys, I guess obviously you've got your leaders beneath you and stuff, but what have you done to make sure that you're touching base with people? How much touch points you're having with people maybe okay. on furlough, not on furlough? What's that look like so far? Well, we do a, we do a, a morning call for every, anyone can be involved in that. I mean, often, yeah. you know, some of the furlough people aren't on it. That's to talk about the day and what the expectations are. Then we'll send pledges of what we're going to do each day uh, nice. on that day. We'll, there'll be a catch-up call at the end, all all video calls. 
um, to talk about what successes you've had. And then we try and get some information out to everyone about the positives in the business. Yeah. One thing I think we've, we've done pretty well is actually been sharing good news because we've had some feedback from people on furlough. It's actually really great to hear. That's stuff yeah, yeah, that's, that's so great to hear. Yeah. Yeah, you know, going well. Um, we've had a bit of a plan in terms of catching up with furlough people. So they feel like that there's a bit of a connection. Um, we've been doing a weekly quiz. Nice. um which which is going really well uh although i'm i'm a bit good about that because i basically the winner's supposed to do the next quiz and i won one one week i was too busy to do the quiz so i got someone else to do it and, was <laughs> around, and there was a round on the kardashians and a round on harry potter and i just basically <laughs> i'm never gonna win the quiz again now so i've <laughs> ruined it yeah and but basically the quiz winner gets like you know 20 pound to spend on like pizza or something so we're just trying to trying to do things to keep people interact in, interacted. Um, we've done a little thing, cooking with consult. So, you know, we're putting stuff out on social media about, you know, people's different recipes and yeah, love that. keeping themselves busy. And um, okay, think, yeah, you know, just, just, just trying to keep people at least connected in, in some way. Yeah, cool. And um, what I was going to say, yeah, I think what something that came out of the live podcast I did yesterday was like, like obviously a lot of questions came in on like how you're in how are you incentivizing your team obviously typically you've got the things like classic lunch clubs and the holidays and all that right obviously with right now they're not things that you can do but actually um the the actual real incentive here for teams that are close-knit that are in this together the, the biggest incentive is getting through it and getting yeah, through it together do you know what i mean and i think that's such a thing hopefully things you can look back and be proud of your team during this and i think that's a great thing to look back on i guess look you guys have been in, in the industry um a while much longer than i have people want to know what, what are people's thoughts on what this looks like when we start coming back out of this from a recruitment industry standpoint what, what are your thoughts on i guess things that might stick around and um really impact your recruitment business when we start coming back out of this like what are your thoughts on how your recruitment business may change or the industry may change i think our business will then the main change will be the time spent in the office Okay. You know, the, the flexibility to allow people to... What was your view before? Was we, it, like, we, honestly, we, 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 it like, we want you in the office? No, we, we actually about, probably about a year and a half, two years ago, we brought a bit of work from home in. Okay. So, you know, I know it's easy to say this, but we, we, we have tried to, to be a bit, bit innovative, even though sometimes you feel like you're trying all sorts of stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. we've done that um, for people. I think, you know, we, we felt like back in the day, you know, when we all got into recruitment, it was a case of, you know, if you, if you had a doctor's appointment, like, oh my God, how am I going to go to that? You know, yeah. and, uh, you know don't be ill so we've looked at a situation where i don't know someone's having a washing machine delivered whatever we'd say just work from home for the day or they've got a meeting or, or even just yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I need a day and i think that's definitely something that's on our radar but it, i think it'll just be on our radar a bit more yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and as opposed to being maybe a couple of times a month it might be it might be weekly is it gonna is it gonna affect how you think and consider like i've been to your office obviously like does it make you think twice about the office space what you want to do with that i don't know i yeah I, I i think so our plan our office that we're in at the moment if we knock a meeting room out can probably hold a you know 25 26 people yeah and then we were going to look to leave i now think um and you know kevin and i spoke about this with you working from home and okay perhaps not not who knows when you can hot desk again because that's one of the things that you know you, you can't do but with that working from home that 25 full-time people might actually end up being 40 people yeah, yeah, yeah. Not everyone's always going to be in the office at the same time so i, I think it'll, it'll have a, a massive impact on the amount of space that people require to, yeah. to in, in recruitment anyway and, and the people that we've spoken to um in our networks are probably thinking the same as well because it's hard at the moment right working from home in the past has been seen as a bit of a luxury and it's always been a choice if you if you've been given it 
now people want to get back into the office and it, you don't have the choice to work in the office at the moment so when people can go in the office and work from home i think that that freedom of, of movement and that flexibility will really benefit our staff members you know my, my my eldest is going to school in September and the school's around the corner. And if I work the hours that I'd normally work, which I get in the office for seven and I work till four, I won't be able to drop her off or I won't be able to pick yeah, her yeah. But I definitely will do that now with working from home a couple of times a week because you know, like, like that, life just disappears and things can happen. And we've had some, Kevin touched it, we've had staff members that have had terrible news over the last couple of months. And it makes you realise that, you, you can get so consumed sometimes in, in your profession and your, in your life and you can be so busy earning a career that you forget about all the other things outside of it. Yeah. yeah. Now, the difficulty from working from home is, is where do you draw that line? Where do you shut the laptop or, or close the drawer? Yeah, and, and mate, 100% my biggest challenge, yeah. It's, it's 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 harder and i think we you know we just got especially when you got got obviously some like me more so like i don't have a dedicated workspace and yeah, got yeah, my, you know what i mean like not everyone's gonna have that either are they yeah, yeah and, and, and I'm, I'm sure you know it's, it's not gonna be a one-size-fits-all policy and people will want to adjust and working from home isn't necessarily sitting in a bedroom with a laptop you might go to you know a, a coffee house or something yeah, or you yeah, might yeah. go and sit sit in a park on a nice day and make some phone calls you know for us kevin touched on it you know we want people to, to try and achieve a deal a month and what i think we'll focus on more after this is just the productivity that people bring and if we'll we'll guide them we'll direct them we'll give them you know ideas around if you do x you're going to get y but we're also going to give people the freedom to to do what they're really good at more and yeah you know make their own mistakes every now and then and, and, and learn from that and, and hopefully that puts us in a position where we come out of this and there's more glue in our business because yeah we do have those catch-ups during the day but also what does happen that kevin and i don't see is all of our staff are talking to each other like yeah. they're doing video calls and grabbing a coffee during the day so they give a shit about each other which that will only intensify because of this and, and you know we'll, we'll come out of it and our environment will be stronger our, our, our unity will be stronger and then that becomes a really exciting prospect for someone coming into yeah but i think i think there are challenges also with the whole working from home it sounds brilliant in principle but if you disrupt decided to, to start a new team and you needed um, three three new new recruiters doing all oh, that you, yeah. in yeah. terms of you know the dynamism and and getting yeah. that team going no, it's, it's, back, it's back to what you said at the beginning kevin of you going into progressive and sort of being catapulted into that environment the people and it's uh, osmosis isn't it when you're around those people yeah, you learn what they're saying yeah. and all that and that's that is 100 that's the biggest challenge isn't it how do you create that and is that possible when you've got three new people in the team and like that you need that that's so yeah. valuable that early yeah. part isn't it and it's not always that easy to do it retrospectively, i.e., you know, I've got a call, what shall I say? Sometimes yeah. you need in a recruitment office, as I remember at Progressive, I'm on a phone call and someone's on my ear going, say this, yeah. someone's right, right <laughs> over there, say yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and actually, you know, that that's that's the live situation on the pitch. It's like someone's about to play a game of football. What you need to do today in the game is this, as opposed to on the pitch being able to affect it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. So look, as, as we... Um, come to the, the uh, end chaps then two, two uh, last questions for you uh, first one rich i'll um come to you first what what are you most excited about to do what are you most excited to do or experience or want to do when we come out of covid post covid what are you most excited about then it's hard right when you get to 38 there's not <laughs> a lot that kind of like makes you family aside you know like i, I want to hug my mom and dad and i want to i want to yeah. see you know them spend time with with, with the girls and you know I, I want to i want to be in an environment where i can just go 
wow, like this is over now, whether that's a busy pub, whether that's a night out with friends, whatever it might be. But one of the things, and I, I spoke to Kevin about this the other day, one of the things I'm looking forward to, so we've got season ticket to Villa for yeah. our sins. And, you know, we, 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 we're not a very good football team at the moment, but we um, we do a bit of corporate hospitality, so we take clients, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the, the feeling that I get when I walk out to Villa Park and just take it all in, it's the same feeling I had when my dad took me when I was like seven or six. It's and the I, same feeling you get when you walk down the stairs on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but yeah, and, and then realise that Santa hasn't arrived because when I <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, it's, just it's, it's dire. Santa, just, uh, Santa's done away in the living room, basically. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you, because I, I think that, for me, would tell me that we're, we're past this because there'll be 40,000 you know, fans in a stadium and yeah. that feeling you know he still brings up hairs in the back of my neck so that's definitely what away from you know the yeah, 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 family yeah. that's one of the things i'm looking forward to doing love that kev what about you mate um yeah the standard sort of thing seeing family and friends i just think having a sense of there's a lot of people out there that are are paused yeah. and even though they're trying to keep it going the sense of people being able to get back to just just to be themselves yeah i also think that that spontaneity as well you know i mean i'm you know, it's, it's quite funny, isn't it? it? You know, anyone that uh, that knows Rich uh, knows that he's he's a keen runner, and I've really got into it in the last in the last five weeks because I can't play football and I can't go to the gym. But that's kind of the limit of what I can do. You know, just being able to go out go out for the day somewhere, mm. have that spontaneity, yeah, totally, yeah. doing something. Oh, I need I want to buy something to go to the shops. So I just think getting a bit of normality. But in terms of doing stuff, uh, I'm the same as Rich. Really, I get really really uh, kept busy by my kids. And, um, you know, it'd probably be quite nice to have a night out with my, with my other half and, you know, yeah, yeah, that'd be sure. quite good. So um, I'll come back to you, Kev. Last final question, always ask people, so you can answer this with a phrase, a word, a sentence, whatever comes up for you. But if you could communicate to every single recruit out there, they'd listen to your advice, they'd implement it, they'd action it tomorrow, what, what would you say to the people? Well, any, any level of, of recruitment? Yeah, any, any level, just what, yeah. What, what um, would you say? My advice to anybody would be, uh, don't get to whenever the end of your recruitment career, whenever that is, and look back and think, ah, oh, I wish I'd just yeah. done that instead. I just think the opportunity uh, to, to nick that phrase from that song, but the time is now. And in every situation, you know, I just think you've got to be affected what you can affect. And uh, the other thing I'd say is, and I've, I've learned this throughout my life, both from, you know, my, my, some of my early tough years living in Birmingham, you know, in a, in a council flat and stuff, to, to my early years in recruitment when it wasn't working out for me, is the only person that's going to save you is yourself. Yeah, I love that. So I just think that actually, um, you know, all about that self-analysis, if it isn't working for you for whatever reason, take a step back and look at what you've done. Is my client strategy good enough? Do I know enough about my business? Can I pitch my company in, in 30 seconds? Do I know enough candidates? Am I good enough at using the database? Have my client meetings been good enough? I just think that in a situation right now, the best recruiters, and if you're a good recruiter, you're going to make a lot of money and have a great career, are the ones that are, are on top of the game. And if you're not on top of your game, I think you need to just assess it and, and try and do that. Mm, awesome. Cheers, mate. Love that. Rich? Um, it's interesting. I'm, I'm watching, um, as, a, as, a, as a, I guess a lot of people are at the moment, the Last Dance documentary oh, about Michael Jordan. That's so good. And it's just like, it's 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 immense, right? And the thing that I, I'm taking from it is he always backs himself. Yeah. And even, even the littlest of things, like one of the guys beat him on the golf course and then, regret it straight away because he knew he'd, yeah, yeah, yeah. he'd, he'd get the, the best of Michael Jordan on the court the next day. Um, I think it is that, right? You, you've got to back yourself. You've got to have a real belief that you have got the talent. But what people forget about Michael Jordan is that you'll see that the glitz and the glamour in the awards, but you don't see him 
putting all the effort in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all, all the, the training and what we do, right? It's a contact sport. You've got to contact people, however you contact them, whether it's on the phone, whether it's via social media, whether it's yeah. sending letters out, whatever it might be, it's a contact sport, right? So you can't forget that. But you need to have a plan because if you don't have a strategy and a plan about what you want to achieve, then you have no long-term success in recruitment, in my opinion. You can have short-term wins. You can, you know, you can accidentally contact the right person just at the right time, but you've got to accept that it's it's a contact sport. You've got to trust the process. So not necessarily the outcome, you've just got to trust the process. And that might mean looking to someone with experience to get what that process is or that strategy, but know that you get out what you put in. So if you've got the right plan, if you've got the right guidance, then after that, it's a contact sport. So whether it's a post that gets 20,000 views or it's one phone call to the right hiring manager, because you know it's the right hiring manager, like you've got to be conscious of where you're, where you're utilizing your energy. So plan for it and then work like, work like, and this is what I used to do when I was a consultant right at the start. I, I had an image of a consultant in another office that just wanted to beat me because yeah. I've never been bothered you know, and, and perhaps this is why I kept doing team commission for so long. But <laughs> what people pay me doesn't bother me is whether I feel that, that that win inside. So there was always a consultant in another office that was always going to do more than me. And that was my competition. So I think, you know, that doesn't change no matter how many likes posts get or how many views a video has. You've still got to contact people. You sort of get them on the phone and, and, and filter that person down or filter those views down into a list of people that are going to do business with you. So plan for it and then like lose your mind going for it. I bet. Yeah. The other, the other thing I'd add as well is uh, read David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt. Oh, mate, yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, some, of, good. some of my runs lately, I've been, I've had him in my head as I'm trying to stop on a hill. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, think, I'm thinking yeah. He, ran, he ran on two broken legs with a hole in his heart. Be quiet. Yeah. yeah. Have, you, have, you, have you listened to the audio? But did you listen yeah, to the, I've, yeah, I've got the audio book in my ears as I'm trying to... Oh, mate, yeah. Run, yeah. The audio, yeah, if anyone... Yeah, you have to listen to that audio book. So it's good. The, the best audio yeah. book. Um, yeah. But look, Rich, Kev, been an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, it was awesome. Thanks, Hisham. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really want to ensure this podcast remains valuable and relevant for all of you. If you have topics or questions you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. Best place to get me is on LinkedIn. Just search Hisham Azuz and drop me a message. I would love to hear from you. Finally, if you have two minutes, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave an honest review for the podcast. It will simply mean that I can reach more people with this podcast. You can easily leave a review for the podcast by clicking the link in the episode notes or by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash rollercoaster. Thank you again for listening.